0: welcome to the FSF and Tapestry podcast. I'm Jules and today I'm with Ben and we're joined by best-selling author and publisher Winsome Duncan and before I say hello to Winsome I should just say I think that doesn't even really sum up everything that Winsome does but hello Winsome and thank you for joining us.
1: Hi well you're very kind and I'm blushing (laughs) Jules. Hello Ben, hope you're well. Yeah good
2: thanks
1: good 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 uh yes I am a five times number one best-selling author and it's really interesting because uh my first ever number one book was was co-authored by an amazing group of seven to 12 year olds during lockdown the first lockdown I might add so that would have been 2020 our spring of 2020 and it was an absolute pleasure to work with them on a book called The uh, Popcorn House and um that just started the passion for, you know, working on, on, on books. But in general, I'm a book confidence coach for those of you that don't know me and are not familiar with my work. And that just simply means is that I help to extract ext- extract, let me put my teeth back in, extract stories um, from all different walks of life, you know, adults, children, and really leave le- legacy and heritage stories. So um I, I I I am a publisher and what I'm working on with the Look Like Me book challenge is really just, you know, getting the stories out that are diverse and that speaks to the culture and the heritage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, yeah, that's a little bit about me and what I do. Yeah.
2: Well, Thank thanks.
3: you. i just sort of start this off really is like, what inspired you to start working with the young authors and helping them to publish their books and their mm-hmm. words? <laughs>
1: That is a fully loaded question, Ben. (laughs) Um, So I think the first part of that, what, what, what inspired inspired
3: you? Yeah.
1: Okay. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Centre of Primary Education in Blackfriars, London. Uh, They, they, they're a stockist. Well, stockist a library. They have a library of books and and things like that for young children. And they did a report with the Arts Council, and it said at the time, two thousand and seventeen, only four percent of BAME characters, so black and Asian minority characters were in children's books. And this was in comparison to the 33.5% <laughs> that are in the UK educational system. So that's quite a huge disparity, I'm sure yeah. you agree. Yeah. And I, I just thought to myself, well, wow, we got to change this, haven't we? Uh, I am a grateful auntie of two twin nephews who are now nine. And a niece who is born on my same birthday and is seven. And it's just important for me to have and provide uh, books that look like them and are reflected, you know, their Mm image. So we started a GoFundMe campaign on 27th of October 2019 on my birthday. And over the next sort of two years, I think we raised about. Just under, what, £2,000. And that was the seed money to start in the Look Like Me book mm-hmm. challenge, which is just to really be more inclusive and in more diverse around uh, the young people that we had worked with. And they've just got such amazing ideas that... Uh, it just really kind of excites me and to watch them become authors, to watch them participate and draw illustrations, that was really kind of cool as well. And then obviously to be a number one bestseller Mm. alongside them and those write the book was truly incredible. It was a bit of a buzz really. Just go over the second part of the question for me
3: then. Just how you helped them to publish their books and sort of so what, what are the driving force for you to do that? And you know, I mean you've given a great answer for that already. Um but yeah, if there's any more.
1: Well, it is more because it wasn't books at the time, it was it wasn't plural, it was singular, mm-hmm. so it was a book, one book, the popcorn house. And that was done in a workshop styling over a three month period, two hours a day. And in those sessions, we would talk about character names, we talk about character plots, and it was just like, you could do this, and mm-hmm. what superior power could you have? And and the actual character Zion was originally drawn by a young ambassador that works with us called Amari, And it, it, you know he had this lovely, big, buffery hair, nine fast, so that was kind of cool, blurring in the wind. And um, it's great for them to put on their portfolios. And then the next three months were spent proofreading, editing, and putting the book together. So it's really quite uh, an incredible feat. People come up to me now and just say, yeah, I've read The Popcorn House, so I'm like,
4: what? <laughs>
0: wow, that's amazing. So leading on from that, Winsome, what are some of the challenges that young authors face in the publishing industry and in your experience and how have you helped them to overcome those? So I think the first thing is
1: invisibility not being seen. And then the second thing would be not being heard. So um, it's the publishing industry is an old boys network, isn't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it is a business, let's face it. So they want books that sell. But if we can't level the playing field in terms of sharing unique and diverse stories, then we, we just never have a chance, really. So... So from the young people that I personally worked with, they felt like they weren't uh, seen in book, and we're talking about UK books. Like there's a lot more US books of colour and of content. Um, and then when it goes to like mass market, it's it's just very limited, really. So they found that challenging in 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 that way. And then their voice, you know, they've got great ideas, mm. wonderful. I mean, the Popcorn House was that made from a uh, young person doing a video with us and she just said yes we can have the popcorn house and that was just from her eating a packet of popcorn when I was at her mum's house and I was just like oh isn't that a great isn't that a Adorable idea. And we sort of run with it. But I think what's really good in terms of helping them get seen is that the popcorn house is now called Calaria. So the superheroes go to an island called Calaria in the Caribbean where they ignite and get their magical powers. And now it's been turned into a 3D animation which we're pitching to broadcasters, which is kind of exciting and intimidating at the same yeah. time looking at these big people like Paramount and BBC and et cetera, I was just like, oh, uh, yeah, we've got this idea. But, you know, we're being embraced and we're always being given feedback. So their stories will extend because they were given an opportunity to write a book, and to share their ideas and to write characters that represent them in a positive light, if that makes sense. And I do get a bit passionate, Joel, so bear with me.
0: <laughs> but that's but you know, the idea that that what the, the words that they created and the images that they created on a page have then become something that moves visually and is heard audibly, going back to what you said about invisibility and not being heard, being the two two of the big hurdles, that is quite a journey, isn't it? To then being absolutely heard and really seen through, you know, creating an animation and if that, you know, where that could go, amazing.
1: 100% because I think what we're doing is we're pushing the boundary because we don't have content like that for Seven Plus and families on cbbs or on these platforms or streaming channels we do have it when it comes to americanized content but what we're trying to do is find the uk narrative and not only the uk narrative the uk narrative around the caribbean culture so let's not you know forget that because i think that's quite an important part of the elements when you're preserving history and you're looking at the context of how we can get our stories from you know days of the windrush because it's an actual story about intergenerational um Uh, A sense with their grandparents and then going to their grandparents and finding this magical hidden island called Calaria. so and one of the young people made up that title which is really kind of cool. Mm,
3: Definitely and think of your role sort of when you're working with the children or the young people sorry what how do you mentor and coach them throughout this process of sort of taking their ideas getting it down into paper and putting it all together because i know that when i was younger i that's something i really struggled with um so just what's your process about sort of supporting them and through the publishing process as well
1: i don't know if i can tell you my secret <laughs> <laughs> what <are> you <laughs> uh-huh. so, so mentoring and coaching is something dear to me i have mentors and coaches that i work with because it expands the realm of possibilities for me to think outside of the box so it's something that i'm definitely passionate about we do work with children and young people so we have two cohorts cool we have 7 to 12s and then we have 13 to 18 so currently with the 13 to 18s we're working with the national lottery to write a um african in insp- african caribbean inspired manga comic mm-hmm. which is based off you know the, the, the Japanese style artistry which we respect very much and again this is what has come out of their heads and more specifically the young people had the topics of well-being that they wanted to discuss and um uh you know dealing with feelings of angst and and, and anxiety and uh, racism in football which is quite layered and then I have to come in as a mentor and be like, hmm, how are we going to write that? And then with 80% of the room wanting to talk about these things because it was coming out of lockdown and they were feeling quite stressed, I guess. Um, how, how do we put that into a book that sensitively deals with these types of topics that they deal with every day? And as in luck would have it, we had a female and a male uh, semi, semi-professional fo- footballers on the, on, the, on the calls. It's really bizarre. Um, so it's a lot of responsibility mentoring coaching and guiding them but for me it's always from a heart-centered space I always have to be structured and organized so anyone that knows me we've got to have plans session plans we don't just go in and (laughs) oh whatever happens happens No. no 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 if you're working with me we have to have a structure and a plan and everybody has to be briefed on what the common goal is and the common goal really is just to extract these stories Um, from lived experiences of these young people, depending on what the age group is. So um, that is in the form of creative writing. It's in the form of doing poetry. So yes, fundamentally, the Look Like Me Book Challenge is a CIC for creating literature that is diverse and legacy books and legacy stories. However, from that, we have had songs that we have created. As you know, we said the 3D animation. And I don't think I've sent it yet, but I will send you what we've done thus far because it's really kind of exciting. Um, And then now we're going into the realms of looking at games. And what does it mean to have a superhero game that is created by these young minds? So through that, It's either one-to-one sessions or we get on and we do rehearsals and we practice what's going to be if they're doing any speaking engagements to get young people registered in with their parents. So, for example, um, my mentoring comes in the form of um, many different ways, uh, I would say. We work in person and we work online and it's a nurturing what their natural gifts are, so some of them is photography, some of them is art, some of them is public speaking and singing, and we listen to them to drive the force of of where we're going and what they need next and how we can build up their skill sets in public speaking and in these arenas where they go in or they're on television. That was a long answer, wasn't it, Ben?
3: I, I really love how you get nurturing into that, because to me, I think that is how you're going to inspire these young people like nurturing their ideas and giving them the opportunity to explore them.
1: I yeah, I think it's really important. And Amari comes to mind, you know, when he started four 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 years ago, he oh. was looking at this little itty bitty boy that, you know, for four years on now, he's got a bit of bass in his voice. <laughs> and He's really tall and he just doesn't let go of his phone, bless him. But he's still here working with us and... It's just lovely to see that growth and to look at the next steps and um, they get opportunities like going to the BAFTAs this weekend, which is kind of really exciting for some of the young people that have worked with us and have just been consistent. You know, it's it's, it's, an ex- it's an exchange, our talents for their talents. And um, it's funny because I was speaking to a parent the other day and I just said, oh, I realise that I haven't had much time with so-and-so and I'd like to offer my time. Um, because, you know, he's been committed and he's he's come on all kind of projects that we're doing and continues to be positive, even though he's at college. <laughs> mm. So that's really cool.
0: And I want to lead on from that, Winsome, and just ask if there's anything else you want to say about this. I'm thinking about the benefits and the impacts of giving young people this platform and this voice through book writing, authorship, these kinds of things. Benefits and impacts that there may be for them, and I suppose for others as well, for everyone else, um, too. So I think there's a
1: historical benefit for them, is that they're changing the landscape of history, especially if we're breaking into the world of animation. And who would have thought that four years ago? I think that it boosts self-confidence and self-esteem. And that's quite impactful when they're going into the world and they have to use their voices and perhaps not use filler words like, uh, and, um, and uh, you know, and just trying to help them to be more articulate when they're doing their presentations for press, television or anything online so that they can get their voice in in clarity definition across and what it is that they're trying to say. And I, I feel like it builds their portfolio jewels for when they're growing up and, you know, so that's, they're all different ages, seven, eight, 8, 16, uh, going into the world and, and and saying this is what we've been a part of and this is what the skills that I've had and I think that that's a great booster as well and I think more important than anything is just that visibility that they're being seen and that they're being heard and that this is done on a grassroots level and organically and now in 2024 it's going to be visible up and down the UK. And, you know, there's gonna be a light shone on our work, which is um, kind of what we've been working towards and that they've been prepared to do that. And I think that's impactful to be able to represent their big hair, Afro, or, you know, broad nose, big lips, which is what they've been born with, with the features, but sometimes could be ridiculed or teased when it comes to bullying, racism, prejudices and so on and so forth that they can face on a day-to-day basis
3: Mm. and you've talked about social media just then and sort of how they present themselves sort of to the media as well how do you see social media and technology as well um playing a part in sort of their future
1: that's a really interesting question and i did think about that a lot prior to, to, you know, uh, to you asking it. And I think the first way that sort of comes to mind is, is KDP, which is Kindle Direct Publishing. And it's having their stories mm. on a digital Kindle platform, which is accessible to most territories across the world. So, you know, Asia, USA, Europe, it's accessible to most. And that reach means that we can go far and beyond a couple hundred or a couple thousand if we can engage and get them doing the videos that we can put out to marketing. So, for example, we're working with BBC Children in Need, which is so exciting, right? Mm-hmm. We move and uh the specific emphasis is working with uh children from black and Asian minority uh, ethnicities, which is kind of groundbreaking for them. So, you know, salute to the to the BBC mm. for doing that. It's very competitive and it's very hard to get into. So the project is called Raise Voices um Anthology. And um Within that, the children have to lead. So the theme is social impact. And that's such a loaded, as an adult, <laughs> I could be here forever. We're going to start talking about, you know, George Floyd and whatever. But it's it's just such a loaded question, social impact. And what does that mean to you, Ben, and to you, Jill? It means something different to me because it's about different perspectives and how we can all understand and respect each other's um, avenues. So so they're the leading driving force and you know, my face at the mayor's office was great saying, come on, sign up, blah, blah, blah. But when you saw a child's face or a young person's face doing a video, hi, I'm blah, blah. I'm from the Look Like Me book challenge. I'm a young ambassador and we'd love to work with you to do X, Y and Z. It it changes the, 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 the playing field mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. And it opens the door for visibility. It opens the door to have other young children think, oh, that sounds interesting, let's sign up. And it does get more registration sign-ups. So we try to get them to drive this forward as much as possible whenever we can.
3: And I can totally see that because I think it's it goes back to that look like me or be like me type sort of movement, if you want. And it, I think... It just really helps to amplify their voices. And I've, that um thing you said about the Kindle programme, that's such a an amazing tool to sort of reach that wider audience around the world, which years ago probably wasn't available. You know, I'd, young people would have probably just created something that may have only reached their school community or maybe the little uh, a little bit sort of wider community so i think it's fantastic that these opportunities are available for them now
1: Mm. yeah definitely and i think that we need to utilize them and speak to them in a way in which they understand and Mm. they understand social media to a certain extent for those that are allowed to use and are engaged on it and we do that with the support of their parents as well you know um that's one of the fundamental things about getting the word across and getting the word out.
3: Mm. Cause that's the other thing I was just about to ask is how do you support them with the social media? Cause social media can be brutal. You know, the reality is it can be quite a brutal place. So it's just making sure that that support is in place for them, I suppose
1: it can definitely be brutal i mean we are the ones that that put out so for example on youtube when you're doing a content that's been made for children now mm. the comments are turned off yeah you know that right yes yeah. so i think that's a really really great way in mm-hmm. terms of safeguarding and any content that we put through is through our channel so it's through the look like me page. it's through the um facebook instagram pages it's on our website so it can be monitored Moderate. yeah. Um, moderating. Directly,
4: yeah.
1: you know picking picking up messages mm. which happy to say at this point we haven't had but as we expand and as mm. we get you know onto television and we're in 3d you know animations and on screens it, it will it will change so going forward Um, We do have a policy, Jules, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) in place for supporting (laughs) and safeguarding our young people and any vulnerable adults that we uh, work with as well. Uh, So I think that um, they understand that anything that they don't feel comfortable with, they have to report. And our facilitators know, you know, um, interact through our mediums and not directly with young people. So that's quite key
3: a clear thing, cleared line. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's really good to
0: hear. Yeah, and Winsome, you mentioned a bit earlier on about the, the report or the research that had been done into the underrepresentation in in books, in children's books. And I wondered if you could tell us or share your thoughts a bit more about that for the underrepresentation of black and brown characters in UK children's books.
1: Yeah, so Jules, I don't know if you know this, but inanimate objects are more likely to be seen in a book within the UK rather than a black and brown face
5: mm-hmm.
1: and um, that's quite alarming and when we're talking about so, so the number has risen so let's be positive The number has risen from 4% to 10% over the last four years yay that's great but in compared to the the the, the 35% that's still in the, the school system we still need to work towards that you know well actually it's 33.5% let's sort of let me get accurate here um so characters black and brown characters in 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 children's books we're talking about main characters we're not talking about sidekicks we're talking about leading characters protagonists that are you know ahead and and visible and that's that's exactly what it is that we mean and they're looking at this in the context of traditional publishing and the traditional publishers that they have contacted and who have sent in the books for the the study to be shown. Now, I have to give it up to people like Random House who have a specific email for authors of colour, but this is for adults, not for young people, but this is for adults. But you can write to them and within three months they can tell you if it's something that they're interested in, um, working on and developing with you. So it is It is slightly beginning to to change going forward. But I'm really grateful for these researches because it just helps us to work towards something. And I think for the Look Like Me book challenge, it's about educating society on the importance and on the relevance of diversity and having diverse languages and having diverse uh, uh, books and Children of content with black and brown faces. It's educating them, and why is that important? And why is that relevant? Because it, it, it the the melting pot of multiculturalism within Britain is 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 vast and should be reflected throughout our literature and registered in the British Library, right? Wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, hundred yeah. percent.
1: So. Well, there you go. So, when we're talking about amplifying young voices. In, in literature, we're also talking about leaving a legacy and a historical context of I am here, I belong. Mm-hmm. And this is what we were creating during mm-hmm. lockdown. This is what we've created post lockdown. And, you know, I've heard no all of my life. <laughs> so I had to go independently publish because that was the only way that I could get the creativity Out and come the UK, come in the new year. We'll be, you know, having the opportunity to to go into different territories within the UK that we might not have necessarily seen. So that's definitely going to change and empower our campaign and our message further, which is changing the narrative.
0: Mm. And listening to you talking about that, Winsome, it's making me think. You know, educators listening to this now, early years educators, primary, secondary you know, audit, time to audit bookshelves, time to audit mm. areas that you have books, libraries, what books have you got there? What are they showing and not showing? Um, You know, look at that representation. It's so, so important, isn't it?
1: But this is where it gets really interesting. And you're not mm. going to know this unless you're working in the industry. Mm. So that in theory is a great philosophy to, mm. to, to make sure they update it. But what happens is, is so we are known as an independent publisher and we get our, our ISBNs. So this is international standard book numbers from Nielsen's, which is a charity. And that means that we've got the opportunity to go into Waterstones and Burkers. And the big wholesalers like Bertram's and Gardner's, I think Bertram's are closed down now, so Gardner's, that's what that ISBN does for us. And we can't do that unless we have that specific ISBN. And that is what's tagged to the libraries and data and uh, directories. So if you're an independent published author without a tradition, you know, the, the Nielsen's ISBN, you're not getting into the school system because you're not on the directories. And that's its a shame. You know, it really is a shame. But that stops and, and, and prohibits you from moving forward if you've not got that kind of insight. So that's really important to, to learn. And our, our mission statement is to provide spaces for creative expression, narrating experiences of those from underrepresented and marginalised groups, particularly young people and those from Black and minority ethnic communities with the broader intention of leaving an imprint of legacies within UK literature. So I think once we get past these sort of red tape points, then we can make changes because you have to pay like hundreds of pounds to get these ISBNs Mm. in order for schools to even see you on a book list
3: yeah and I yeah. suppose again that again goes back to the importance of that social media to then once you have got that ISBN to raise that awareness just to get people talking about your book um, and to get noticed and I think that's you know one way that we're going to be able to change what's happening I think it's just making people more aware Um
1: yeah, I think sorry go on Ben I'm well, just no like, hey, no no,
3: no for another idea go on what do you think well no I think you know it and it goes beyond I think there's been so many discussions about you know having a Black History Month box or a pride box where these resources sit in and they just get taken out it's about making sure that they're visible all the time isn't it it's you. you know and that's uh, for me that's how we're going to change things it's for it just to become the norm but we're a long way from that um and it's i just basically want to say is ask you base um how can we change children's literature to be more inclusive sort of beyond sort of just asking a few people to do another book or something like that you know it's what else needs to happen
1: So i think the first thing sort of just to finish off that segment mm. is that you know black history is not a month for me it's 365 days i'm black on both sides whenever i wake up every morning (laughs) and that's really um important to embody as we go on so when we start our meetings we do a call and response and we say it takes a village to raise a child to raise a child it takes a village so so that we just remember the roots in which we're coming from and also just touching back on jules previous question uh, uh it's about also you can even be independently published and have an isbn from Nielsen's, and then you're still not accepted because perhaps they don't like the illustrations of the book or if you are on a budget and you're limited there's only so much that you can do. And, and that's happened before. So those are the things that kind of block us from moving forward. But I'm a firm believer in improving and keep on going and, and observing of what is out there and, and aligning myself with uh, getting better and improving the product hence after we sold a thousand copies of the popcorn house we did a revised cover based on the feedback that we got with some you know they wanted it to be more focal just on the superheroes so that's just to finish off that question mm. now i don't know how much time you got ben but when you're talking about inclusivity, <laughs> we might be here all
6: day <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> you know that is that is a spider's web isn't it yeah um, how can we be more inclusive of, of, of you know, diverse books? Um, <laughs> I feel that the first thing is through educating society. So being able to be on mainstream media, which is something that we're working towards. Yeah, we've been in the local newspapers and so on, and so on. That's great. Been on BBC. That's amazing. Thank you, BBC. However... To have a platform on morning time television, if I can wake up on time, but to have a platform there mm-hmm. to get with people on the way to work and getting the children ready, that would reach an audience that we wouldn't normally reach to talk about the benefits of inclusivity. And I think it's about being kind. Just going back to what our ethos is around teamwork, story, legacy, kindness, Um I think that it's really important to help show people why being inclusive within children's books can change a child's confidence, boost their morale, and also the friends that they have in their friendship circles, that it's normal. I mean, if you are in my age group, you look a bit young, Jules and Ben, but if you're in my age group, you grew up with Peter Rabbit, you grew up with uh, Winnie the Pooh and all of those kind of stories. Maybe you reminisce with me or not. I don't know. However, mm-hmm. what were they? Animals. Yeah. What were they? Right. And then if we're going to get even deeper, let's talk about Sleeping Beauty. Let's talk about Cinderella. Let's talk about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. What color were they? They were Caucasian. So you saw identification in that and being the prince and the king on the horse and coming to save his princess. But I didn't see me in those stories and I didn't see me in in animals. So growing up now, when we're talking about inclusivity, it's about acknowledging existence of the different multiculturalism stories that are in the UK. And I'm getting passionate again.
3: it. That's no, good. And, These are good questions. But also I think Thanks. it's it it fits the ever-shrinking world, if you want. You know, the world is becoming a smaller place. Communities are mixing and things like that. And it it's important that this representation really does get seen. Um, because everyone needs to understand it. Think, um, but
1: not everyone will care, Ben. No, And that's important to know Mm -hmm. as well. Not everyone will care. But if it's on a platform and it's made visible, then that alone is seeding something within the psyche. So, you Mm -hmm. know, black and ethnic minorities in the UK is about 10%, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, where the you know the further out rural areas and the countryside areas it's only whether whatever they see on television that they might know oh there's a black person that lives in England there's an Asian person that lives in England there's a Turkish person that lives in England, so it's getting into those spaces and making it uh acceptable educational, knowing that you know we all we all belong we all belong, I belong here, you mm-hmm. belong here and This is what we're moving towards in terms of progressing, in terms of elevating, in terms of empowerment, in terms of visibility, hearing stories, being vocal. Very, very important Mm. to me anyhow.
3: Yeah.
0: And... We're coming up to our last question, Winston, oh. which is hard to believe, really. But it's about, it's about advice and future dreams, which is a good place, I feel, to have a last question in. But it's what advice would you give to aspiring young authors who are maybe a bit hesitant to pursue their writing dreams and how can they overcome that? I think it's the advice that I will give
1: to parents, which is to mm-hmm. encourage your child which is to nurture your child, which is to give them all forms of access to creativity, which is to help push them forward. Now, people come to me all the time and just say, I've got no money to write. But the last time I checked, Ben and Jules, it was free to write. It was free to pick up a pen Mm -hmm. and write on some paper. So it's about making the, the parents understand the need for a child's different forms of expression. And if the child is old enough and just has a passion as they often do in terms of writing books, in terms of writing poems, in terms of little short stories that like we've got one person signed up, he's already won an award for being in some some sort of um, anthology, which is really kind of cool. So he's ahead of the game, but not all children are like that. And I think that it's allowing, sorry, it's allowing a space for creativity, for nurturing, for using words as a catalyst to express, as a catalyst to let off steam, as a way of releasing pent-up emotions, as a way of talking about a lived experience. Because young children go through many different things. And in this day and age, they're exposed to things that I would have never have seen <laughs> in my time,
5: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, you young ones might have, you know, been different, but for me, it's a whole different ball game. And if there is a young child that just happens to listen to this podcast and feels like, you know, inspired, then it's it's mummy, daddy, I want to write a book, and and that's the conversations that you have, even if it's just a book of A4 paper, and you put it together, and you put a stapler in it, and away we go. You've got a book. It's a start. And I think the other thing is as well, if it is a family on a budget, you can go to KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing. It is free Mm -hmm. to um, upload a book. You just got to teach yourself how to do it. People work with me because I'm specialized in it and I understand all the intricacies and the the stumbling blocks. So you pay me for my knowledge. But if it's something that you want to do as a family project, you can do that. And you just watch a few YouTube videos and then just go online, see, you know, what artists are out there on Fiverr and just try and create something. And it's totally free to upload your book and to re-upload your book. And don't use money as a way to say that your child can't do something Mm. because I don't subscribe to that it's all about how we can use what's in our hands, our gifts and our talents and how we can go into the world because that, that child might be, you know, the next Maya Angelou out there, the next Benjamin Zephaniah out there, the next Winston Duncan out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, wow, that is a that is a good place. Winsome, some thank you to finish although i feel like we could keep going for ages <laughs> but um i think that i'm just thinking that's such a powerful thing it is that 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 sort of that it's open it's an open space and we should all you know we should encourage young people to be doing this it's so so important and the idea that it can be a place to express all sorts of things including things we might children might be worried about or you know as you say, things they've seen currently, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a therapeutic space as well. Basically, it's, you know, it's a good place for them to be able to share those things with a pencil and a piece of paper.
3: Yeah,
0: really important. Thank you so podcast. much,
3: Winsome. Yeah, you're welcome. After we finished recording um, our podcast, Winsome invited me up to join her at the BAFTA Young Presenters event there I met young authors that she's worked with and also the director and the writer uh, turning the book into a tv show Um, I recorded our talks
0: and uh, here are the conversations we had
3: Okay, so I'm joined by Candy, who is an author in her own right. So, welcome along, Candy.
5: Thank you.
3: I just want, could you tell me about about the story you've created and who or what were your inspirations?
7: So, the story that I created was like, so I was a co facilitator in this event, and there was a couple of sessions in which some children under the age of 13, we worked together to, you know, put their ideas into a book. And the way that they wrote it, they wanted to have like a lot about. that that they can relate to personally so it kind of gives people an insight and if it's not already something that you can relate to then it gives you a different perspective on how other people may live their lives and how to overcome challenges if it is you know something that you can relate to yourself
3: it's really interesting yes good and thinking about the uh, look like me challenge are you involved in that now uh
7: yeah i'm still involved in that i'm there as a young ambassador
3: I'm young ambassador for it yeah so how would you persuade other young people to join in the challenge
7: I think it really depends on what is that you're interested in yourself because for me I joined with the purpose of meeting like-minded people because I already have an interest in writing I've written about three books now I think and so you know if you're interested in writing or public speaking you know just building your confidence in general it's definitely the place to go for you if you want to you know, meet people with dissimilar interests than you.
3: That's really, that's really good. And it's great that you've got a space, as you say, to talk to other people who've got that same interest, which I think sometimes schools don't always give you that in that space. That's really fantastic. Thinking about the books in general, why is it important to have diverse and representative characters in children's books? It
7: helps you build a sense of empathy for people you may not know or be like culturally similar to, like you can learn new perspectives and understand new ideas that you may not be able to relate to within your own community, which is fine, but it's nice to be culturally aware of other people and who other people may experience in their lives.
3: Yeah. And that's, I think that's such a great way to look at it. So yeah. that. Yeah. How do you feel when you see characters in books that look and are like similar to yourself?
5: Honestly,
7: every time I see a a character who looks kind of like me, it makes me a lot more happy because I'm so used to seeing people who look generally the same or similar and seeing someone who kind of stands out a bit because you know they're more like you and not people you wouldn't see all the time. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely people that I look up to as like actors or something like that because they're like me and they've managed to get to where they are today.
3: Um, And thinking about your own writing, What feedback did you receive from family and friends about the book you've authored or the books you've authored?
7: It was really positive because when I first published my books, we got to showcase them at one of the world's biggest international book fairs in UAE at Sharjah International Book Fair. So, you know, there's like just flows and flows of people coming in and out and got so much positive support, ended up being on a couple of news articles and doing a couple of interviews and stuff. So it was really nice.
3: you know, be able to share my ideas with the world. Yeah, definitely. Well, well done. And thank you very much for joining thank us today. Thank you. Okay. So now I'm joined by John. So uh, John, if you want to just tell the
4: listeners a bit about yourself. Oh, hi, it's my name's John Higgins. I'm a actor screenwriter and content creator, and I am the part of the creative writing team for Calarion, which is a brand new uh, animation series which we're working on at the moment developing which is a celebration of diversity Mm -hmm. it's about two young cousins who are it's like english caribbean heritage and stuff we're trying to do is we're trying to create a new world which Mm -hmm. is a little different to what we normally see, but we hope that it will have the same kind of impact as things like Marvel Comics universe, the Marvel Universe and DC, and any number of children's animations that have come before. We have two very interesting characters. It's based on a book by Winston Duncan, who is my co-writer, called The Popcorn House, And it's a very simple tale of two cousins who vanish into a world where they they go, they visit a popcorn house and there's various little characters, you know a lot of it is you know sort of evokes the you know the the spirits of things like narnia and marvel and stuff like that so that's kind of i can't really give too much else to no, no. because we are yeah. doing it but but i think what's interesting is that we've been in the sessions that Winston and andre and i have been working on we've been fleshing out some interesting ideas mm-hmm. for the proposal of what we're trying to achieve and that's the great thing is i'm intrigued by it as well because hopefully it will touch on themes that the diverse, you know, like the community, the underrepresented communities, communities can identify, but equally will have a tremendous crossover appeal, so that it's educational and informative, and it's it's entertaining. So that's what we're trying to do.
3: Yeah, no, I think it's really great that you've, you're considering the diverse angle as well, because I think that's an area that books especially need to improve on yeah um, like just to, yeah to increase their representation in- i think What's
4: the that? big problem is is sometimes you know we i hear this a lot i hear often i hear in the industry that people say no why aren't you doing more for that and then the interesting i'm willing to ask the question mm-hmm. you no know, well, okay so what are we going to do about that how can as a white male you know as a white male in his 50s I am. I come from a more. I lived on a multiracial street in Birmingham, where I'm from. You know, and I kind of embraced different backgrounds and race. And sometimes it was wonderful because you'd, you know, you'd hear Caribbean reggae in one thing. And you'd have people, you know, or Asian, or Sikh, or Hindi, or Muslim, or Polish, or stuff. It or you know, black, you know, mm-hmm. West Indian. And we we were playing the street. We didn't really think about. You know just as a context of where i'm coming from i mean we had a i went to a primary school where it was majority and were seeking the muslim it was a very diverse thing so and we lived you know our neighbors were sikhs you know and you know we we were invited to weddings and stuff Mm so we kind of were not i wouldn't safely say that it was a cultural thing that we you know i kind of feel that what I'm trying to do is because there's a more readiness to embrace what we're trying to do. But from a creative point of view, I'm not trying to sort of, I'm allowing the process to yeah. be out there. Mm-hmm. It's not a case of, oh, well, I, you know, I'm going to dismiss those. Because the funny thing is, one of the things I've been saying to Winston and Andre is, let's look at the possibilities mm-hmm. rather than say, we're not going to go back to type. We're trying to do something which is hopefully shows a mixture of imagination accessibility that people can so say well you know the intention is of course to make an entertaining animated thing by the same token we're hoping that it will provoke thoughts and a dialogue that people start be more curious about what the world we're trying to create is that's really good hey, well thank you very much for your no time way. good luck with the project yeah great thank you very much cheers thank you cool
3: Okay, so next up, I'm joined by Andre. So I'd like to introduce yourself to the listeners.
6: Hi, my name is Andre Fife. I'm an actor and producer, producing on the TV animated series *Kaleria: The Irie Islands*.
3: Okay, cool. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? What your role on on the the TV program? Yeah,
6: my role is I'm the producer on the on mm-hmm. the
3: project. Are you pulling everything together, sort of? Uh...
6: Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a weird one. With producing, it's it's often about working with the creators and the writer, mm-hmm. coming up with story and then developing that, and then presenting or pitching those ideas to potential execs mm-hmm. and people in broadcasting and television.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so for the storyline, um, I spoke to John earlier, and he was telling us about um how it's about the diverse characters and everything yep. like that. How important is that to you to oh, get that through? The-
6: it's super important, you, you know, it's the whole thing is about making sure that we tell stories that reflect the world that we live in. And our world is a very diverse and multicultural environment. And how can we make sure that we present that on, on screen mm. and making sure that we tell authentic stories that we can all relate to. And we all see different versions of friends and families that we know of on screen. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I think when I was talking to Candy earlier, she was just saying how important that was to see herself represented yeah. on screens. And how if you think back to when you were a child, how, yeah. how important that was to it's, you? It's, yeah. it's
6: super important, you know, when you growing up as a child, watching all these different shows, animations or even cartoons. It's just when you watch all these things, you kind of want to see yourself reflected in mm. some kind of way. Mm. That's why sometimes we even love the villain sometimes as yeah. well, because there's something in the villain that we see and we, we recognize in mm. ourselves, even if he, he or she is the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's always super important to find shows or create shows that, you know, you see yourself in. And I remember watching so many different shows growing up as a child and seeing myself in those characters and thinking, oh, gosh, I'd love to be a part of that story or mm. have some kind of involvement. Okay.
3: Yeah. yeah. Thinking about the project, heavily involved in now, yeah. what do you, what do you hope for young people to, who are watching it to sort of take out from it at all?
6: I guess. With Calyria it's the storyline being got two cousins who have this, this superhero powers. I, I want it, for me, I always want children, young people to walk away from this, even adults and see the, the superpowers that they have in themselves. Mm. I think we all have our own uniqueness about one another. And I hope that when they watch the show, they feel motivated, inspired, and they see the superhero qualities in themselves and then go out and be your own version of your own superhero. Cause yeah. I feel like there's, there's a superhero in all of us and it's like, how can we perpetuate that? How can we turn up the volume in that? How can we be our own little superheroes in the world that we live in now? Right. Yeah.
3: Well, thank you very much for today. Cool. Thank you. Okay, so I'm now joined by Theo. Hi, Theo. Hi, yeah. I just wanted to ask you how did the Look Like Me book challenge help you cope with lockdown? I felt like
8: it was really and fun. What challenges uh, because did you face while in working? in lockdown, on the you couldn't, like, couldn't really like, go to school as often, meet your friends. So, I felt like it was a fun activity to like, make a book on my auntie and some other people.
3: Yeah, fantastic. And can you tell me about the story that you created?
8: We created me, me, my auntie, Cameron, and some other people, we created all the popcorn house. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, there were, uh, there was two, was it siblings?
3: Yeah, siblings, yeah.
8: Siblings, and they were, f- and they were fighting uh, and they wanted to make a cake. they was fighting, and the uh, bowl break And uh, I think their nanny sent them to the room, to their room, because they was naughty. And then they opened the wardrobe, and and they fell into a portal called, and there, there they saw the popcorn house, okay, okay. and some new friends on the way.
3: Was it was the uh, characters based on anyone you know? no no (laughs) you sure um so thinking about the look like me book challenge how would you persuade friends to join in with it
8: so i would like tell them i would by persuading them i would tell them like to like maybe if you have time i mean like make a book if you want like Mm -hmm. Like, do the things you like, make a book, do some activities, and yeah, just have fun, really. Yeah,
3: that's that's the main thing in having fun. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And when I was talking to other people about the project and everything, it's about the characters in the book, how important is it to you that they were, they looked like you and were like you? Well, was it important for you to be able to recognize the characters in the story?
8: Yes. It was. It was important to, like, recognise the characters in the story because, well, people in the world, they do a lot of black people and white people. So, yeah.
3: Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. And obviously the book did fantastically well. You yes. are a number one author, sell- book-selling author. Yeah. Congratulations. How did that make you feel when you found gone to number one?
8: It made me feel really happy because people were like buying the book and I remember lots of copies of the popcorn house. Yeah. I bought it to my a classroom for my class to keep. Oh. I gave one to my best friend and he wanted me to wife he wanted me to buy my signature on it
3: that's for it, him to take home. That's good. A signed copy. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. So now I'm joined by Cameron. So, thinking about the Look Like Me book challenge, uh, how did it help you when you were sort of going through lockdown and the challenges that brought up?
8: It was just something to do while I was indoors.
3: Yeah, that's good. It's like, it give you a focus to, to actually go, go with. Yeah. Um, was there anything difficult about working on the project?
8: The only thing dif- difficult was um, drawing the characters.
3: Yeah, drawing the characters so a bit of a challenge. Yeah, yeah, cool. Was there? What was the inspiration between behind some of the characters you came up with? Were there? Was it based on friends you've got? Any family members? No, no, nah, just all from your mind. Yeah, and um, and I was talking to your brother just now about how important it is for you to see characters like yourself in the book. How did it make you feel when? you go through books and to see characters that look like you are from your your same community as you and everything?
8: Happy, just happy because you rarely see black people in books.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, when I was talking to your auntie, and you know, she said 10% of the book characters are black, it, it's not okay, is it?
5: No.
3: Man. And how did you celebrate when you found out the book became number one? Did you, did you take a class setting as well?
5: No, but...
3: Have you signed any copies?
8: No, but, uh, but I was just astonished. I didn't think it would go up that fast. No, that's fantastic.
3: A fa- fantastic achievement. So thank you very much. Okay, so I'm now joined by Amari. I just wanted to ask, how did the Look Like Me book challenge help you cope with lockdown?
2: Well, in lockdown, to be honest, it was quite boring. And the, the Look Like Me book challenge just helped me... Le- like just get through lockdown and it was just very entertaining and
3: it was very fun so it was just something to do during lockdown mm-hmm. so yeah and were there any challenges you had during lockdown that the book challenge sort of helped you with apart from boredom
2: <laughs> Oh, like, challenges like just challenging confidence right like before before lockdown i probably see i i didn't have enough confidence but now you yeah, speaking to you a lot, like a bigger crowd, bigger audience, instead of like one-to-one, it's just helped just,
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. Fantastic.
3: So in uh, the Popcorn House, you, you were drawing the character Zion. What inspired you to draw that? Who was the inspiration behind that character?
2: Honestly, the inspiration was me, like just representing me and the people that look like me because Zion has an Afro and at the time I had an Afro. So it's just really cool. So just have a character in a book we're afro and it was yeah just
3: really cool so thinking about the project what would be your approach for persuading more young people to join in something like that
2: one of my ideas was like animation because it just helps children engage more because my yeah just like reading a book always it doesn't always help mm-hmm. so animations i think it would more like the people or the children would more attain obtain like the information that's been given to them in different ways so yeah, cause yeah. it's not yeah, not everyone like learns by just reading books. Mm -hmm. Some people learn by like, just watching stuff.
3: So yeah, definitely. Yeah, fantastic idea. So we talked a bit about the character Zion that you did. And you said about how you created this character to have the afro like you had at the time. How important is it to you? So when you open a book, there is that character who looks like you coming back at you?
2: Like, I think it's just better because it's more relatable on, like, a personal perspective. So I can relate more because, like, say, say it's just a normal character, like, they don't have... A, let's not say they didn't have an Afro, but, like, the normal the normal superhero, like, I don't know, like, I can't really relate. Like, it's not engaging, like, as engaging as it would for Black person with an Afro would-be, to me personally, so it's, like, kind of, like, a personal perspective, so yeah, yes.
3: Okay, so now I'm joined by Ayana. Thank you, Hi. I just want to take you back to lockdown and the challenges that you faced during there and how the Look Like Me book challenge helped you sort of get through those challenges.
5: Being indoors was really hard because like, obviously I, I wasn't allowed to go out and socialize with my friends. So having a space and getting to talk with other people during lockdown was really helpful. So that's when we all came together with the, all, all the ideas like all the ideas that we were thinking during lockdown and put them into a book which became number one bestseller so that's really it's really good really cool that during lockdown even though my confidence did go downhill there was a chance where I was my confidence sparked up again.
3: Fantastic that's really and that's such a great way to approach it and to have it sort of the effect it has on you. Thinking of the challenge what where did you draw your inspirations for for your ideas?
5: I would say definitely. Go ahead. Um, during lockdown and during the the Zoom calls that we had, I came up with various ideas with the storyline and drawing so the illustrations coming to life. It was just a really
3: cool experience. Cool. And was there anyone in your family that you like you looked up to and you're like, oh, This is what's driving me.
5: Definitely both of my parents and just them being on the side and giving us all of the ideas and the confidence to go on the Zoom call with random people. So, yeah, it it was a good experience in the end, though.
3: That's good. So when you're talking to friends and other people about the project, what could you say the project has brought to you extra that you could persuade them to join in?
5: With the Look Like Me book challenge, it brought a lot of opportunities such as going to the BAFTAs for various events and because I'm into acting, one time we got to go to a professional studio and do the audiobooks for original books, so it was audiobooks original books. I got to be one of the characters called Ladybug, so being in the studio really allowed my, my voice to come to life being the character which we created.
3: Wow, what an opportunity that is,
5: yeah.